0: I'm Mark Ficciani. Welcome to Forge Your Path. To see the type of impact he's been able to have on the lives of his athletes.
1: Welcome back, everybody. Forge Your Path podcast, episode number 25. And man, am I fired up to share this one with you today. I know I might say that a lot, but I had a life-changing experience up recently, and I just think this one is going to hit you in a special way. So let me set the stage for you and tell you all about this. So recently, our family took a trip headed down to Kiwa Island. It had been a special spot. We've been hearing about it for quite some time, and we were going to be spending five great days in Kiwa with a family. We've become friends with and had known for about the last six years they had shared that this was a special spot and my daughters annie and lily became really good friends with their daughter emma and their brother brandon so we've got girl twins they've got boy girl twins and so we are going to be spending the four middle days together in kiwa during the last week of june so man had this on the calendar for three, four months, been looking forward to it for the greater part of the spring. And now the day is finally here. And I don't know about you, but travel days sometimes can have a little bit of stress to it. And But for me, once you make it through security, everything's gravy. And so that's exactly where we were as a family. There's always that hustle and bustle in the morning. We make it through security. We're all good. So, hey, Once that moment hits, in my mind, I'm on vacation. we got an hour and a half before the flight leaves, and it's one of my favorite times because I'm going to get to do things that I don't normally get a chance to do as much as I would like. So we hit that big kiosk. We're not in the the cushy new Terminal A at Newark Airport. We're in Terminal C, which was once the best terminal. And if you've traveled there before, they had this giant kind of, I'll call it center. uh, What would I call it exactly? It's almost kind of a smorgasbord where you have about six different coffee and breakfast spots. There's a big center rack where there's uh, books and magazines, different options. And essentially then you get to the end, there's a self checkout and then you go back to your gate. So, Uh, We're through security and my girls are on one line with their mom where I'm on another line, just getting our respective breakfast up organized. So I'm online and I look over, I'm just chilling and I can see just by the body language, what's happening with my wife and my daughters, that there's a drama developing. So sure enough, about 30 seconds later, my daughter, Lily comes over and says, dad, do you have my phone? And, of course, I don't have her phone. And she says, uh, I think I left it somewhere. So very quickly, in my mind, I have in about all about 11 seconds, I've let this go. And it's a non-issue in my mind. Because here's what I'm thinking. If, on the one hand, she finds her phone, she has left it somewhere here in the airport, and we miraculously find it. Well, that's wonderful. What a win. Flip side, being the former teacher that I am, if she loses her phone, because by the way, this is not the first time she's misplaced her phone and somehow found it, then this will be a great lesson. And if she's without her phone, let's say we might decide as parents, we're not going to get her new phone for three months or six months or a year. That will be a great lesson. So I'm completely unfazed. Well, don't you know it? About two minutes later, I see her beaming face because she's found and she left it on some kind of a, a magazine rack and there it was sitting right there. So fortunately, crisis averted, she finds her phone. But again, when in, the, in the time of it being lost, I just, I was at complete peace. And, and again, I'm just thinking this will be a great lesson either way. Maybe, maybe on some small level, I might even have that internal dialogue with a touch of arrogance, just thinking, hey, you know what? Kids got to learn responsibility. It, it's She's 12, and this is her phone. If she loses it, she loses it, and she will learn that lesson. So hold that thought. We get our respective breakfast things. We make it through security. And again, sorry, we've made it through security already. So now we, we head over to the gate. We're killing time waiting for a boarding group to be called. Now we're ready to go. So we get on the plane, sit down, and I unpack my bag. So I've got everything that I need. I've got my couple of books. I've got a journal that I'm going to take out because I like to make a little use of the time on a plane kind of thinking forward. And uh, maybe thinking about my goals coming up over the next month. Uh, I just enjoy that inherently so much. So this is the kind of stuff that I do. But also my plan was I want to grab my computer because I like to bring my personal computer on a trip like this because maybe I want to do some writing. Maybe I want to sketch out some ideas for an upcoming podcast. Maybe I want to think about some different ideas uh, with regard to my coaching programs. So Sure enough, I'm unpacking my bag here, take out my books, take out my journal. My computer's not there. So I'm deflated. But again, in about 11 seconds, I just say to myself, well, okay, Mark, without your computer, not a big deal. You probably can do 75% of what you're going to do on your phone. You can use your phone's notes app, get some ideas down, and it's not a big loss because, again... I'm in this place of acceptance. I'm on vacation. I'm committed to having a great time. So my wife comes out of the bathroom about two minutes later and, uh, and I kind of look at her and shrug and say, I left my computer at home. And she looks back at me and she says, really? Yeah, yeah. And you know what, and in my mind, I told her, I said, I had such a great packing list. I had them all itemized and I just checked
0: them off. And she said, ah, oh, that's too bad. You didn't leave it at security, did you? As soon as my wife says that, I know that's exactly what happened. And I think, holy crap, my computer's at security. So I pop up out of my
1: seat and I start moving towards the front of the plane. And I see the flight attendant and I say, excuse me. I left my computer at security. She says, go off the plane, tell the agent at the desk. I do that. I go to the agent at the desk and I say, I'm sorry. I left my computer at security. She looks at me in kind of a grumpy, disinterested way and says, I need to deplane you. So I give her my phone. She scans my
0: boarding pass to remove me from the flight. And now it's time to get my computer. So
1: give you a little little sidebar here. I think if you know me or you've heard enough about me, you probably know I was a wrestler growing up. Uh, The sport I got into in seventh grade, but in high school is when my career really took that more uh, significant turn where it really became a defining part of my high school experience. So part of my time in high school with wrestling, was always associated with running. you put your road work in for three or four miles a couple times a week, partially because you wanted to be in better shape, partially because you were trying to keep your weight. And, And then between my freshman and sophomore year, I attended a program that was truly, truly a catalyst for me for the performance of the rest of my high school career. So this program called the Jackson Leaders Program was a 21-day program out in the hills. Uh, It was right near Blairstown, ironically, in a town called Hope. And the irony was that every morning before we would do three practices a day, two matches a day, and for the leaders, we actually had different jobs and we were mini camp counselors. So, in addition to all that, between six thirty and seven fifteen a.m. every day, we would run, and these weren't runs; these were races. These were twenty-one young men out to beat each other, spurred on by the coaches who, who were hundred percent committed to making this a competitive cauldron. And so, this was game on, intense, ready to go at six thirty every morning. So, through this program. I became a pretty good runner. And and by the time I was said and done, again, these runs, of course, the irony of of the place being hope was that every morning when you got out on the road, it, it would steal your hope. I'll tell you, I've never seen hills with the incline and the insanity in the hills at Hope. It, it was, you couldn't have put a wrestling camp in a more perfect, diabolical location that would test your limits at every day. It would be hard enough, the races running those at flat ground, but I mean, just every hairpin turn of 0.7, 0.8 miles long at just ridiculous inclines. So, again, part of the nature of the beast of wrestling, I became a good runner and I kept it up in my 20s. As I got into my 30s, I ran a little bit as well, did a couple marathons in my 20s, and I would run three, four miles and be able to run at a pretty good clip. But then at some point in my 30s, something happened. In my late 30s, I started to get injuries. Uh, Shortly after running a sub six minute mile, when I was 38 years old, I started to develop different issues. I would get a calf pull. I'd take a few weeks off. I'd come back again. I'd get another calf pull. Take a few weeks off. I get some hip pain. Take a few weeks off. Get another calf pull. Take a couple of weeks off. So you get the picture. It was a carousel of nagging injuries over the course of the next two years. And finally, when I got to my, my early 40s, I just said it's not worth it. So I stopped running completely. I, I got my fitness in other ways. So essentially for a good 10 years or so, I have not run. And if I had to probably tabulate my some miles. In my 40s, my guess, I would probably be less than 10 miles total, cumulatively, in my 40s. So, back to the present moment. The lady says she de- deplanes me, and now it's time to go. As soon as that moment happened, I took off like a bat out of hell. And if you've ever seen the movie The Matrix, where time slows down, and all of a sudden everything comes in slow motion, that's what it felt like. I was running full tilt 100% through the airport, weaving between different people meandering through those emergency vehicles that, that were driving people, cleaning staff, restaurant staff, to get to security. Somehow in a matter of minutes, I can't really tell you because I lost some sense of time, I made every turn the right way, and there I was landing right back at security. Side story, I get there, and I see the TSA agent, and I say,
0: do you have a computer? She says, what color is it? I say, it's a silver HP. And she says, oh, I'm sorry. We
1: just have a gold one here. My heart sinks for a second, and then she says, just kidding. And she hands me the computer. First, first security agent I've seen in Newark Airport in my 49 years of life with a sense of humor. But God bless, that was her on that day, and God bless they had my computer. So I get it, and damn, I'm back off again. slipstreaming through the Newark Airport traffic, pedestrian traffic, making every right move, and there I land right back at the gate. I give the woman my, my phone again to scan my boarding pass, and she looks at me in disbelief. And she says, I see this kind of thing happen every day. Can't believe it. Wouldn't believe what I see in my job. Almost kind of pissed off that I made the flight. I get back on. I see my wife. I make eye contact because she's frantically looking up the plane. I raise my arms at the computer in victory. And I come greet the family. So, of course, I profusely apologize to my wife because now she's had not one but two dramas this day, and I'm the cause of the second one.
0: So I sit back down, I exhale, and I, I relax into my seat. And as I do, I think, what the hell just happened? I have not been able to run in a decade. And
1: not only did I run, to get that computer and back, I sprinted. I had zero moments of calf pain. I had zero moments of hip pain. At zero moment was I struggling from a cardiovascular perspective. In addition, where was my mind during this time? Not once did I stop and think about how much time I had to get the computer. Not once, did I even consider the possibility that I wouldn't make it? I had two thoughts in my head. Number one, get the computer. Number two, make the flight. Nothing else was even a possibility. And to me, this is just one of the most
0: amazing experiences that I've had in such a long time because I can't remember truly
1: the last time that I exerted that much singular focus to an activity.
0: I can't remember the last time I had that level of clarity about what needed to be done. I can't remember the
1: last time that my mind was that singularly focused on the task at
0: hand. And when you do that, amazing things happen. Now, I I don't know where you want to
1: put this. Uh, I'm not going to sit here and and say this was a miracle. I I wasn't one of those people uh, who lifts a car in a feat of strength uh, in, in order to, in order you know, to save a baby. So let's not put it in that category. But for me, this was an extraordinary event. I have not been able to run in a decade, and I just executed that flawlessly. And probably more importantly. My mind never wavered once. My mind was so simple and clear on what needed to be done.
0: So it really got me thinking. What can you accomplish with focus? If I could bring
1: 20%, 10%, even 5% of that additional focus to my days, what could I accomplish? If I had 5% more clarity on the task at hand, and less of that clutter and noise and distraction and doubt about what needs to be done, what could I accomplish? If I had 5% more intensity around what I need to do
0: on a given day and a given basis, what could I accomplish? And that's what I leave you with today. I realize in this moment that I can accomplish way
1: more than I I truly realize. And on a given day, with focus, this experience showed me that incredible things can happen. So my challenge to myself is to remember and recall this and to dial up that focus in my days going forward. Experiences like this sometimes are the unbelievable uh, epiphany you need to realize that maybe you thought you were a focused guy, but when you really do the tail of the tape, when you really measure it out, you're really not all that focused. And there's a whole other level of performances out there if you just can tap into it. And that's my challenge for you. Maybe you're a hard worker and, and, and maybe you have high aspirations But for whatever reason things are going slower than you want them to on your path to your goals or maybe your execution just isn't where it needs to be so my challenge for you is what can you accomplish with focus can you tap into another five percent another ten percent incredibly maybe another twenty percent of focus because if you can and i believe that you can all it really takes is that discipline and clarity and singular intention of mind that you're going to do at that moment, what you said you were going to do. That's when great things can happen. So as we go forward into the second half of the year, whether you are in that rut that you're dying to break out of, or whether you're at a high level and you just have this inkling that you could go a little higher, you can go a little farther, you can go a little faster. If you apply more focus, I can guarantee you there's another level out there for you. So thanks everybody today for listening. Uh, Again, I certainly wouldn't wish that travel experience on anybody. I certainly didn't wish it upon myself, but I'm so damn grateful that that happened because it was an incredible lightning bolt for me of what you can accomplish with focus. Again, thanks for listening, everybody. Please share the word on this podcast, and I'll see you back next week.